podcast, what's up? Uh, this one felt real good. This is a keynote I gave in New Zealand in Auckland. It was the first time I was speaking publicly in New Zealand, which got my juices going. And big shout out to DRock. This was the fourth talk in a four day period where I think he told me, this is how, ironically, DRock's here right now. DRock was like, why don't we start with Q&A? It gets you going. So this was a keynote where I started with Q&A, complete fire, I'm super pumped about it. Listen, listen, listen. What the Q&A did was got me to a lot of new territories, which as you know, I like to stay in my territories. So I think this will be super valuable for a bunch of you. Check this podcast out. Also, please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. A lot of you are coming through but you're not subscribed and that hurts my mom's feelings. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be What is up, New Zealand? What is up? Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Fired up. Hey, uh, now what we're gonna do? What we're gonna do? Because Gary's still—he's literally just arrived from the airport. He's rushed in. So while he gets his breath back, we're gonna do a few of your questions from earlier—the things which you were asking earlier on. Pete Woods says, Gary, how do you prioritize all your crazy ideas? I've so many that'll work. They'll all work, but I don't know which one to follow first or know which one is best. Pete, I think. This is a a tricky one and I I think about it a lot because one, a lot of people use this as an excuse not to do, right? To me really, honestly, the very easy answer is pick one. You're you're not gonna know how it would have turned out anyway. Like literally every day, I have 600 ideas of new businesses. When I transitioned from Wine Library to VaynerMedia with my brother, there was so many things we thought about doing. I don't think back to the fact that we basically were gonna do a deal of the day site like Groupon and Living Social, which probably would have been successful. I don't think back, I mean, our, the biggest, closest thing besides VaynerMedia that AJ and I were close to back in 2009 was to go into fantasy sports. That would have been right too, right? I could have just wrote Crush It and just spoke and built a personal brand that would have been very lucrative. So Pete, I'll be honest with you, I'm concerned that this is more a disguise. Like even if you read how it says, I have so many that will work, right? Like people always come to me, they're like, Gary, I have 17 great ideas. I'm like, great dick, pick one. (laughs) Like if they're all so great, pick one and be happy when it succeeds and then recognize, Pete, how old are you? 30? Brother, you can do fucking six of them. Right, so do one from 30 to 39, sell it or put a management team in, and then at 39, whatever the new ideas are, just pick one. Like crippling, you have to figure out if it's insecurity that you like to put up a facade and you don't wanna actually go on the field and prove it, or is it just like indecisiveness, which is already a tell that you might struggle running a business, so you just have to pick one and go, period. Get into the practice of it. Pick, pick number four, when it works, I get some credit. Hey Gary, <laughs> any words of wisdom for serial introverts on how to leverage talent? This is from Harry. Harry, uh, you know, I, it's really funny because I'm, I'm obviously extremely extroverted, um, and, but so many of the people I most admire, some of the best partners I've ever had, employees, executors, um, you know, are unbelievably introverted. As a matter of fact, so many of the kids that I saw win in Silicon Valley, as we know, because they came really truly from tech nerd culture, were outrageously introverted. Uh, I think 
just not dwelling on the fact that you're not extroverted in what is now a me, me, personal brand, post everything on social media world, I actually think it's an advantage. So for me, like leveraging the talent is very easy. It's all down to execution. L let me promise you something. For all my videos and cursing and charisma and energy, if I didn't actually succeed in my executions, I wouldn't mean shit. Like, the sizzle's fun, and I like it, it's my personality trait, it makes it fun, like I love it. But if I didn't actually execute, I would never have the audacity to stand up here. Since I was 22 years old, I've run a business every day of my life with no lapse, right? I ran Wine Library and VaynerMedia for like a two year period, every day. So I don't pontificate, I'm not an influencer, I'm an executive, and I run a $150 million business every day, 900 employees, like it's execution. Execution is attractive, the end. Yeah, embrace your introversy, don't let it hold you back. Um, Mira says, Gary, what's your best advice for a 19-year-old who's at uni, doesn't know what to do after it, doesn't know her passion? Mary, that's a very common question. I get it every day, especially as I've grown on Instagram and it, youth, it skews young or has historically. You know, my big advice is one, for uh, entrepreneurship is so cool right now and everybody puts it on pedestal. Everybody wants to quit school or not go. And listen, as anybody who follows me closely, I'm no advocate of uni either. But, but I think you need to put things into context. First of all, Mira, you're gonna live another six lives. Like with modern medicine, it's very likely you're gonna live six more lives. That's just absurd. So when you actually understand that, it takes away a lot of the pressure. Mira, the biggest issue right now in society is that somehow we've created this narrative that 18 or 22 or 30 year olds need to have their shit figured out. Most 57 year olds don't have their shit figured out. And so the pressure that you have to figure it out is ludicrous. Of course you don't know what your passion is. You haven't even fucking lived yet. So my biggest advice is take advantage of this vacation, right? Navigate through it so they don't kick you out and take as many weird courses, go to as many weird things, like try shit. Like you don't know if your favorite food is oysters if you've never had one, right? So you have to go do shit. Is it fair to say? And it's fair to say, I mean, if you're 19, you've got the opportunity to fail. It doesn't matter. You have the opportunity to fail if you're 91. Like, we'll get into that at some point. Failure's awesome, and somehow people have gotten confused. The only, re the only reason I am standing here, foundational, no question, is because I failed so much as a kid. I didn't speak English. So I was picked on, I wasn't six foot four, so I didn't win most sporting events. I failed every fucking class. My entire childhood was failing. I was a salesman, so I used to knock on doors and try to sell flowers, and 90 out of 94 people said no. I fucking love failure. Ben. I do. Gary, Ben asks, contracting to agencies as a creative is about more than income. My focus is learning the business model of the industry. Happy to be patient, but when is the right time to go all in and start my own? Ben, I think the, um, I understand, and I'm, and I'm not confusing your patience with inaction. Um, I get it. Uh, I like it as soon as possible, mainly because I'm willing to live humbly. The biggest reason people don't go all in is they're spending shit on clothes, cars, homes, vacations that don't let them go all in. So many people here are unhappy because they bought things to impress others, 
that they don't even like. And so they're stuck in their jobs, they can't get off because it's just like running a P&L. It's very easy to be happy and almost everybody, almost everybody can go all in and do something at any time if they're just willing to live at home or if they're willing to live with nine other people. <laughs> I mean, so, so Ben, I think the, the quickest you can take costs, most people try to save, have a year and then go. I'm trying to get people to cut costs. Live in a shittier apartment which costs you 700 bucks less a month. I'm unbelievably passionate lately around homes and cars and transportation. Like people are buying things to keep up with the Joneses that keep them away from happiness. And that was talked about earlier today. Um, Now, in the space of VR, this is a question from Adam. In the space of VR and AR, you've talked about it in a commercial sense. Can you shed some light on what it means in a creative sense videographers, vloggers, daily filmmakers. Adam, it's gonna be unbelievable when it's here, right? Like the, like the creative boundaries are absurd. I mean, you, know, you think people are addicted to Fortnite? Wait till you see actual VR games that pop. People aren't gonna come out for fucking six weeks. <laughs> Being dead fucking serious. People are literally gonna go into VR and not come out for six weeks. Like I genuinely believe that that's where the world is gonna play out. I really do. I actually think places like this are gonna disproportionately excel during the VR revolution of 20 to 50 years from now because people are gonna rethink where they live altogether, completely. I mean, if you're living in a computer for 63% of your time, do you really need to pay New York City rent? I mean, shit's gonna fucking get crazy. Like, fuck, I wanna live to 200, I wanna see it. (laughs) I wanna wanna see it so bad. Um, That's why I wish I was 19 because you're gonna, she's gonna, Mary's gonna see so much. Um, so yeah, Adam, like wildly unlimited in the same way the internet created an unbelievable creative revolution. I think VR and AR, you know, in essence takes it to another place and the 360 storytelling and things of that nature is just remarkable and so I, I really can't wait. I hope I get to see it at scale. So VR, you reckon, will be as big as the internet has been as far as cultural change of the planet goes? I do. I think VR has the... And by the way, VR might not happen. Just might not. Like, I'm not, I'm not, into, I'm not Nostradamus. Like, I'm not, I'm not predicting. I just move quickly when I see something's happening. But if VR happens, it eliminates everything because then we live there. That's why the internet eliminated everything. That's why Amazons and Ebays and you know, Yahoo's and Facebook's and Microsoft, all the way, like the last 30 years, it eliminated things. The reason big companies are going out of business is because the playing field changed. Media used to be about owning distribution. If you had the newspapers, if you had the satellites, you controlled everything. It was the distribution that had the leverage. Now the internet is distribution. Now the content is the leverage. Got it? You know, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be, a, you know, when you think about VR and blockchain, if you really play out those things in the 30, 40 year window, and everybody thinks it's gonna happen tomorrow. Like all the crypto kids make me laugh. They're like, next year, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like it takes a long time. And 98% of the currencies are gonna go to zero. Just like 98% of the search engines went to zero. Just like 98% of the social media networks went to zero. Just like 98% of the you know, browsers went to zero. But something will be there, blockchain's real and so it'll be interesting to watch it play out. So you say you're not Nostradamus, but you've just answered the next question. <laughs> That's brilliant. The next question being, hi Gary, are you still keeping a watchful eye on behind the scenes on cryptos and blockchain tech? Of course you are. 
That was cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, Blair, I'm watching it very, very, very. Listen, I watch anything people are doing. Like, like uh, 15 months ago, when girls started wearing jeans with ripouts in them again, like I watched that. <laughs> I'm being serious, like, because I'm traveling all the time. Like, wait a minute, women are wearing cut jeans like with holes in them again, like they did in '87. This is gonna happen. I'm like, I wonder if dudes are gonna do it. Sure enough, the metrosexuals came out <laughs> and stepped up and made it real. <laughs> and so it's great. I mean, I, I, I. The answer is yes. I watch that, just like I watch absolutely everything. The only thing I do is trade people's attention and behavior. That's what I do for a living. The reason I'm right so often is the only thing I spend time consuming is you. That's it. I don't watch shows. I don't watch anything. I don't consume anybody's content. All I do is read your comments on my stuff and other things that I know are popping in culture. So Nicki Minaj hits my radar two years ago. I'll go to her account and read every comment. I don't even look at what she's posting. Of course I see it and of course occasionally, but it's not about that. My religion is the attention and consumption and reaction and process that people go through when they interact with things. Wow. (laughs) Andrea says, look, I'm a menswear designer in the high-end market as a side hustle. I operate this from mum's garage. You talk about documenting the process for content. How do I document the humble process when I want to project a high-end image? Paint the garage. Andre, because I think you need to actually understand that that truth is real. Like, like faking it till you make it doesn't work. Like Vera Wang, you know, first place where she was making dresses was a shitty place. Like, because you have to realize that wherever you're producing or the journey you're going through has no impact on the product that you're making. You know, and so I think it actually makes people associate with you. I think what you're doing, and I see it a lot with high-end fashion or high net worth categories, is you're looking backwards. What I mean by that is everybody's looking at what used to work. And so the Anna Wintour Vogue kind of fashion show, but that's yesterday. What the biggest reason most people won't win in here is they over-respect the past and they demonize the current. Got it? So I think high fashion, the authenticity of your, your life from here to a, the Met Gala in seven years, if you put that on documentation, you'll have unlimited leverage. Do you know how much leverage I'm creating for who I'm actually gonna be in 31 years? Of course, that's exactly what you think but I don't believe that to be true. The people in the middle may think it's lower. These people don't give a fuck. If you make an amazing dress, it's an amazing dress. The establishment gives a fuck. Got it? And that's what the internet took away. The people at the schools, the universities, the fashion magazines, the tastemakers. You know how pumped I am that most 22-year-olds don't give a fuck about Anna Wintour as much as they did 10 years ago? It's no dig on Anna, she just represents the middle. Do you know how, you know, back to why I love this country so much because I was such a big advocate of its wines when I was a kid? Do you know how pumped I am that the Wine Spectator and Robert Parker uh, don't control the market in the US anymore? The internet does. Got it? So, you know, Cloudy Bay exploded in America because of one critic, which is amazing and it's a great wine, it's fine, but it's also why others didn't. So when the masses control the game instead of one or two people, that's a far more exciting thing. You're looking backwards at what worked. 
going forward, I believe the people that actually document their journey from working at a retail store to eventually becoming the biggest fashion icon in the world, who's the creative director of Louis Vuitton, right? The game's changing. It's changing right in our face. You have to pay attention to how that's playing out. Ben has asked, uh, New Zealand, a unique market. It's easy to roll out and test new tech or yes. ideas fast. Yes. Traditionally has been in your industry. What's one communication method you'd love to be able to test on early adopters? You know, Ben, to me, um, I don't really overthink that. Like, to me, I'd love to, at this moment, see voice devices in home at scale because I think that's the big game. Like if you ask me where I think I'm gonna make my next big kind of like flag in the ground financially, I'm going to invest in early stage apps built on top of Google Home and Alexa and whoever else wins the home device. So I'd love to see, like for me, I, I, I wanna like, I wanna see that communication interaction more than a method play out so I can watch what people are actually doing. Right, how are they actually using it? Because the reason I know all of you are gonna go, how many people here have one of those devices right now? Raise your hands. Raise it high, right? So right now it's like early computers and early iPhones, right? Like you play music on it, right? You're like, that kind of shit. But you know, in three or four years, seven years, it's gonna really change our lives. It's gonna be so integrated. We always choose speed. We will always choose time. Besides health and money, you pick time every day of the week, and a lot of times you pick time over money. Speed matters, and voice is gonna create speed, and you're gonna do amazing things. You're gonna be brushing your teeth and setting up your day through your device. Everybody will have an assistant, a smarter one than anybody has now, and it's gonna be very powerful. Hannah has asked, cultural Ahmadi identity, a huge part of what I do and try to promote. How do you incorporate and promote your own ancestral culture and what you do and who you are? Hannah, you know, it's, uh, to me, it's more subconscious. I don't super overthink about that. I think there's ways that I interact that are cultural to like Eastern European, you know, schmata Jews that came from the old, like, like when I garage sale, like I will in about 30 hours in America, um, I do think that's an ode to being from the dirt and being, you know, never like getting fancy and always willing to like buy and sell. And there's a, clearly that, you know, in, in the heritage and my culture, but like I, I, I don't consciously spend a lot of time on my ancestral culture. Um, maybe that's because my family was, you know, my family was, is from communist Soviet Russia. And so what happened was, I don't know how educated you are in communist Russia, but one of the first rules is no religion. So for three generations, my family didn't have religion, or if they did, it was like underground shit and scary, and so that was eliminated. You know, three of my four grandparents died before I got to know them. Both my parents lost a parent before they were 15. So a lot, a lot of circumstances why that hasn't played out to me, but, you know, but where you're from and your culture is always gonna play out. Like, you know, to me, my process, who I am as a person, whether it's humility or work ethic or things of that nature, comes from that place of being zero. And, and that's how I associate more with the grind and my process, my circumstance, more than the historical nature of my culture. What are your thoughts on esports as an industry? This is from Imani. I'm extremely bu bullish on it, Armani. Like, outrageously bullish on it. I think it's going to be you know, for, it will be the second biggest sport in this country in 25 years. Like, I genuinely believe that. I just think esports is much bigger than people think. I hate when 
regular sports fans make fun of esports. They're like, Gary, you know, like I'll go to a football game. I'm a big American football fan, as mentioned in my intro. Gary, what's this bull, you know, especially old timers, 53 year old Joe, let's call him. 53 year old Joe's like, Gary, what's this bullshit, this esports, fucking stupid. My kid's sitting in his fucking liver in the Fortnite, the fuck? I'm like, I'm like, you're about to go in a stadium and watch men run into each other. And if we said that 100 years ago, we would have been laughed at. So, you know, people watch golf. <laughs> but like, it's a, by the way, I watch golf, it's interesting, but like, you watch somebody do a skill. People watch tennis, people watch rugby, people watch American football. People will watch people play video games. Good news, they already do. This is not Nostradamus, this is not guessing, this is not being so smart. There are stadiums in South Korea and America and all over the world that are selling out in four minutes for 40,000 people to watch kids play. It's culture. To me, video games and esports is very similar to hip hop. It's a new thing, but it's deeply ingrained and it's going absolutely nowhere. Yeah, I've always wondered about the golf and if aliens look down, you can get one group of people trying to smash each other, go backward and forward. But golf, they're watching, I don't know, four people standing around a hole trying to hit this little white thing in it. I mean, that's a weird thing to watch. It's a weird thing and it's also hard as fuck. <laughs> well, like, like, that shit is hard. I have mad respect for golfers. Wayno's asked, Gary, what is the most common mistake you see businesses making? Um, Wayno, I think most people are very good at wishing they're something instead of understanding who they are. Delusion. People are so aspirationally delusional, they're not practical, they're ideological. And so I think it's emotion. Ultimately it's emotion. I, I never get upset at, at any of my employees, I'm not even kidding, I really don't. Like I'm, dis, I'm, like, I'm trying to fix the problem that is created by a situation that you would normally be upset with, but like, when people want an employee to care about their business as much as the person cares about it, I like laugh at that. Like, you know, like I, I just, or when people want to be a developer and a coder, but they don't have the discipline to sit in front of a computer for an hour, but it's a trend, or, or an esports star, or whatever it may be, people are unbelievably good at making pretend, uh, usually manifested, it's really wild shit to watch, it's insecurity that is then manifested into delusion, which leads to dramatic unhappiness. I think the biggest thing, and you said it earlier, like lean into your introvertness, I just believe in that, like figure out who the fuck you are, get real quiet, and don't hear another word from anybody else, and do that. You will always do that best. Now, some people like myself are disproportionately lucky that the thing they love, they're also good at. People here are really good at something and could make a lot of money if that's what they choose to, but they don't love it, or they could love something quite a bit, but it doesn't make as much money, and it's sad for me to watch so many people pick the first one, because for some reason, that is where society has been over the last 200 years and putting a value prop on that. I am unbelievably passionate to use my awareness globally to continue to start changing the conversation to happiness over money. Because, the, thank you bro, because I think the interesting thing, the, I like this dude. Because I think the interesting thing is we're just starting to get into a very important conversation which is mental health. 
mental health is gonna be an incredible conversation for the next 100 years, and it's gonna really help our society. I'm gonna give you a preview, I will make a prediction. If you play the chess moves out of this conversation of mental health, we're gonna get into such better places of much more authentic conversations. For example, I'm very excited to see the day when a couple gets together and has an authentic conversation with each other of who should go work and who should stay home, or should they both stay home, or should they both work. We, 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 we put the past on a pedestal, right? I'm excited about people realizing, wait a minute, we can, I can be so happy earning 88,000 a year or miserable earning 230 if I just live strategically and not worry about what people think at 88, I can be happy as fuck. I mean, it's just crazy town. This is interesting, it links to the next question because if you look at your life, so the week, you're very committed to your family for weekends. So you're at home for the weekend. Yes. Then you get to Australia where you do three shows. You yes. come to Auckland today yes. to do a show tonight. You go back home, so you're at home for the weekend because yes. that's your priority. Yes. Because you're putting your family and your happiness first. That and garage sales. Yeah. <laughs> but Gary Amar wants to know, so where the fuck do you find your energy? What's your motivation? What drives you? And I didn't say the F word. It's written there. I'm just I, quoting. I am... Um, I find it from a lot of places. So I think I am, I'm trying to figure it out, but my current belief is that I have this incredibly interesting mixture of gratitude and guilt. I'm unbelievably driven by those two Gs. I'm unbelievably grateful for what I have for a lot of reasons. Forget about any of the success or the fame or whatever it is. I'm grateful for the fact that both my parents lost one of their, my mom lost her mom at six. Right, and my dad lost his dad at 15, and they were born in the Soviet Union during the prime of it. A miserable fucking place. Seriously. Both my grandfathers, my one grandfather spent 10 years in jail because he was Jewish. That's just how they did it. Like, I'm grateful. I got to go to America, like, during an amazing era for America. Like, that what, you know, people talk about, I hate using the word luck, because I think losing players use it as an excuse. But there's so much you're not in control of. You can only play the hand you were dealt and the greatest hand I was dealt was I was given two parents that are completely different with two very different skill sets and they parented me out of the serendipity of how our family life was where the best thing I could have had happen which is the first 10 to 15 years of my life, my mom was the only parent in my life because my dad worked all the time. And so none of his insecurities and negativity and just sh emotional shortcomings ever hit my radar. And all the positivity and optimism and practicality and, and, and la inability to complain and accountability, like my mom instilled that into me. Then, when I was 14 and I had to work in my dad's store every weekend, my dad eliminated all my bullshit. I walked into my dad's store as a 14-year-old completely full of shit. I'm serious, I would lie to sell something every second of my life. And because he was so tough and just hated, he hated lying, he hates embellishment, let alone lying. And so he systematically took that out of me. And so like, if you even think about, if you, like, how many people here, this is gonna be great, how many people here when they first saw me on the internet thought I was completely full of shit or disliked me? Own it, raise your hands. Right, so, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm super weird. That was actually less than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> you are nice people. Um, 
I understand it quite a bit because I actually deeply understand that the way I communicate and all that sizzle is actually authentically there. It was that I systematically got very fortunate that it was taken out of me and then, you know, a million different things. So nonetheless, I'm unbelievably grateful. Uh, and so my gratitude drives me. I also am very aware of my, the things that I, listen, one thing that I think works for me is it's really authentic. Meaning like I only talk about shit I believe and I only give advice that I've actually taken. It's super easy to tell kids to be patient. Guys, I worked 15 hours a day in a liquor store. From 22 years old to 34 years old, 12 years, including Saturdays. I never paid myself more than $100,000 a year I built a business from three to $60 million. I built it on my back. Of course my dad did it with me, but it was, I was the operator. And then I left at 34 years old owning none of it. Because it's all still under my dad's name. Zero. And I had a start, VaynerMedia, we, Vayn, like, I love when people are like, well, don't listen to him, he was given $3 million or given a start. I wasn't. People just don't know my story. If I was given all that stuff or I had all money, I wouldn't have started VaynerMedia out of Buddy Media's conference room. I had no money at 33 years old, so much so that I didn't even get our own office because I wanted to save money. So it's real easy for me to tell, you know, people, like, when you're successful and you're giving advice, people are like, easy for you to say. So you're right, easy for me to say because I fucking lived it. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I, to me it's just gratitude. I'm going to leave you Thank to you. the stage. No, you're not allowed to go. I I'm know. going to go and have a break because you, you got let your me, own agenda. Let me ask a question. How, how many people here would like to just continue with Q&A instead of all the stuff that they can watch on YouTube? Raise your hands. And how many want me to just go into a keynote? All right, fuck. <laughs> it's like 50-50. All right, here's what I'm going to do. Do you, do you guys have the ability to get some runners? Can I bounce around? Cool. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some themes I'm seeing, but then also... If, you know, maybe in like five or seven minutes I'll bring up like if you have a question at any point, raise your hands and we'll just fucking, you guys interested in hacking a little bit? Cool. So, DRock, big shout out to you, you're exactly right. You guys, you guys have no idea why actually. What, the reason I just gave him that shout out is, as some of you may know because you watch them, I have an interesting keynote style, speaking style, because it's all improv, it tends to like build up right, like it starts off and it builds up and the momentum of the talk and your energy and I build and it always finishes stronger. But I'm so passionate about Q&A, I love it so much because it's contextual. It allows me to give you, like, so, how many people here have followed me for more than five years? Raise your hands. So for all of you, like that's the best shit because it's the place that actually allows me to go somewhere else that I've never shared before because I'm a human too and I go into the patterns of what I believe. Um, so DRock's like, why don't in New Zealand, why don't we start with Q&A? It's gonna put your energy better. You were absolutely right, DRock. You're not just handsome, you're fucking smart. <laughs> um, look, I think the thing that I, there's a couple things that I wanna talk about. First, there's so much abundance and opportunity that it's probably the thing that I wanna start with. I'm, please leave here today understanding that not a single person's success comes out of your expense please get that out of your mind in any shape or form because there's just so much abundance. There's so much opportunity in an internet mature world that it's kind of scary. It's actually scary how, as a matter of fact, the jokes I keep making about garage sales is I'm doing it just to show people, like I'm trying to eliminate every fucking excuse on earth. To me, ex like, to me complaining is genuinely the greatest poison of all time. 
Like if you're in a mindset where you're looking for no, you've already lost. Like, I mean, even in these, just obviously it's very on my mind, even in these garage sale videos, I go in the comments, I read. People are like, yeah, whatever Gary Vee, between eBay fees and shipping, you didn't make any money. And then I type, go in there and I'm like, hey, Charlie Face 47. <laughs> when you buy something for a dollar and you sell it for 20, even with the fees and the shipping, yes, I made 1360. People are looking for no. People are looking for no. Do you know why I lose all the time? I only look for yes. Do you know why everyone's petrified when I hire someone? Because I'm just like, you're hired. <laughs> Guys, I've hired thousands of people <laughs> over the last 20 years. I've never looked at a resume. Just. DRock's very, watch, you know, we have a very small team where we curate a lot of stuff that goes to Vayner and he gets mad at me these days because he's an OG now and he's, he gets mad when I hire these random kids. And by the way, I hire them from the street. <laughs> like just so you know how it actually goes down, this is real. Like you can go look, look at DRock in the back, this is real. The last kid I hired, I did it in the street. Kid rolls up, I'm like, you're fucking hired. <laughs> and DRock's like, fuck. But then in my mind, I laugh because I'm like, D-Rock, that's how you got hired, dick. <laughs> Abundance is real. There's so much opportunity. Please try to go into the yes business. You're in the no business because you grew up in a pessimistic environment. Whether it was the neighborhood you grew up in, your older sibling, most likely either your father or mother, you, you're in the business to say no, why not? You're so scared to get tricked by something or look bad to others, your cynicism or no-ness protects your insecurity. The reason I say yes to everything is because I don't give a fuck what any person in this room thinks about my shortcomings or losses. So much so I don't care about what my wife, kids, or parents think about my shortcomings and losses. The reason I'm so light as a feather is I genuinely don't value another human being's opinion more than I value my own about myself because I have all the context. I know what my, do you know what, how easy it is when your intent is good? Do you, know how, do you know why I film everything? I'm not scared of anything. I have good intent. Do you know why I don't sell products or things of that nature? It's because I don't need to. I make my money in different businesses. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Everybody can do whatever they want. If you know that your intent is good, it's easy. Even, I think about weird shit, guys. I think about, like, what if I hit somebody when I was driving? What if I killed somebody? This is the shit that goes through my head. What if I'm driving and I kill somebody? Because they jumped out, I wasn't paying attention, or worst. You know, and this is what I re why I really stopped texting and driving even a little bit. I'm like, what if that happened? And it's crazy w the way I play chess in my head. It would obviously change the course of my life and devastate me. But it's incredible why there's still this little voice in my head that still makes it not okay, but boy, do I give a fuck about intent. It's incredible how much I navigate everything based on intent. I will let everything, right DRock we talked about the other day about like how I manage. I, I don't get down on anybody, I, I don't scream at, and if your intent is good, it's all okay. If I don't think you're capable, I'll fire you and try to help you get another job and I'm being dead serious, I do it all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm unbelievably always so passionate about intent. If your intent is good, you're good with me forever.
period. And, and so there's just so much good and opportunity right this minute and the current mainstream media globally is just talking about so much bad. Bad sells in the short term, good always wins in the end. It's just true. You know, I hate things like nice guys finish last. Where? It's just not true. Nice guys might be losing at halftime, but they win the game. Nice guys always win. It's just so crazy, all this fodder in the system that isn't true, all the faking it till you make it as a fashion brand that's a cleat or at what every single fucking 23-year-old male in the world is doing, which is fronting on Instagram because boys want girls, you know? And so like, I'm just unbelievably passionate in trying to, what I realized about myself was, oh shit, the reason I won and I'm good is I've never played in the vortex. I've never played in the actual rules of life. I was an F student when every immigrant was supposed to be an A student because education was the way out. I launched an e-commerce wine business in 1996. Right? Like that wasn't, what I have a fucking sneaker. Thanks for wearing them. <laughs> like I've always done things that don't make sense. I play outside of the actual game and that has been where all my happiness has come from and so many things have become obvious to me by playing outside of the rules. Playing outside of the rules is the best and that's where I want people to understand we are pandering to so many things that just aren't true. They're just not true. And so my biggest thing is the greatest gift ever is actually having a life. There's nothing anybody in this room, including myself, will ever do that's anywhere close to as remarkable as actually being a human being. The math is so absurd, you're literally more likely to get hit by lightning 23 times than be alive. Like, your mom might have just got up for another glass of wine. <laughs> like, do you understand how ludicrously lucky you are? You could have been a fucking tree. <laughs> like, we are, we are just, we just, what is very obvious to me is that my perspective on life is just fundamentally different, and now what I'm passionate about is putting it out there at scale, free, forever, and trying to change people's perspective on this, because watching everybody navigate right now and do things, and I watch it all the time, like you can't imagine how upset I am about the current state of entrepreneurship. The thing that put me on, the thing that I've always been my whole life, right? Like literally, that's right, like turn off the lights, I'm pissed. <laughs> that was good, that was good work, fix it, go back. The best part is somebody probably just leaned on it, which I always think is, I always think that's the funniest shit. And they're like fucking scared, like oh fuck. Um, like entrepreneurship right now is so misbranded, it's so fun, it, it's fun to watch because there's nothing wrong and I, I love that it got cool and listen, very few people have benefited more from it becoming cool than me but it is not the purity of what I love. Right now everybody wants to be an entrepreneur which is very, do you know how hard it is to be a successful entrepreneur? Like the problem with entrepreneurship is it's different than sports and the arts. If you suck at singing, you get exposed immediately. If you suck at sports, you get exposed immediately. On entrepreneurship, you put it in your Instagram profile and you get away with it for three years. <laughs> and so 
I'm very, very much passionate right now to change people's perspective and then after their perspective is changed and they actually are running a marathon because they're gonna live for 40, 50, 70, 100 more years and they have so much more time than they think, when they stop worrying about other people's judgment, literally the majority of this room, look, if you're at this conference, it is highly likely that you're, you're living your life based on somebody else's opinion. It's crazy. It's super real. I'm telling you it's super real. You might not even realize you're doing it. It's almost like subconscious bias. Like you're doing behaviors based on the outward facade. Do you know how many, again, and just it's a great time for this because it's happening. Do you know how many of my fancy friends have texted me and called me in the last three weeks about this whole garage sale thing? They feel bad for me. <laughs> I'm being serious. They're like, what are you doing? Like my one friend was like, this is just a, this is a funny text and I laughed at it myself. He's like, uh, bro, Eight hours ago, you were with the president of Cuba and Eric Schmidt in a super high level discussion and this morning, you're buying teddy bears off people's lawns. (laughs) And I wrote back, swag. (laughs) But it's interesting for me to see people see me from their eyes, contextual. It makes me realize, oh shit, they value the the market, they value the, the opinions of others. They, they feel bad for me because they think it's hurting my brand. It's a very important thing to get around. I'll tell you why, I'm gonna transition now tactically. The reason I said all that is, here's the tactical thing that I'd like to talk about. If you are not producing 100 pieces of content for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, podcast, every single day, you are leaving the greatest opportunity in the world on the table, 100, 100. That's a fuckload. <laughs> Let me tell you why. If I said you had unlimited money and you could go to the beachfront property all across this world and buy it all up for a penny on the dollar 112 years ago, would you do it? The answer is yes. The number one asset for this room, regardless of what you do, you sell sneakers, you're in the fitness industry, you're a financial advisor, you're in real estate, you sell donuts, whatever you do, you're trying to run for mayor, you're trying to cure cancer. The number one thing that binds everybody in this room is that we all need the other person's attention before we can tell them what we want from them. Attention is the singular asset. It is the singular fucking asset. And right now, the attention of the world sits in mobile devices at scale. And there's only seven or eight places that we really consume content. You have to figure out how to send your message to the world in written, audio, and video content. Now at first, you have to pick what you're good at before you can afford a huge team that does what I do, which is convert all my video into written form and audio and video. At first, you have to rely on, can you do video yourself? Are you a great writer? Are you introverted and want to do a podcast because you don't like seeing yourself on video? I don't care, but you have to start talking. I want to leave this conference and get some people here to start posting 100 pieces of content a day. Maybe 52 of those are just single tweets. Maybe 26 of them are Instagram stories. But I'm serious and I'm also quite knowledgeable that most people here haven't posted 100 pieces of unique quality content this year. So imagine how fucked I think you really are. (laughs) I mean it, the opportunity is remarkable. There's so much opportunity. Everything that you're seeing happen in society, the people that are getting voted in, 
the people that are building big companies, the celebrities that are changing in society, the people that are changing the world with positive or negative impact, everything's playing out in one place, the internet. And the internet breaks down into like seven or 10 meaningful sites. Right now, the information sits on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's not super complicated. What's complicated is getting good at communicating on it. It's a skill. You have to respect the context. You have to make 100 pieces of content, here's why. You wanna sell a home, you make one video, do you think that every woman and every man in here are gonna see it the same way? Do you think a 22-year-old woman who makes 100,000 a year is gonna see it the same way that a 49-year-old woman with two kids that makes 47,000 a year? We have these platforms that let us target people at a specific level that we've never seen before at scale. Anything you wanna say to the world, you should minimally say 13 times because you have to context the audience that's seeing it. You have to say, when I do things globally, when I make a video and I say, hey Mexico, uh, you need to think about how you're doing influencer marketing. If I do that versus, hey, you need to think about how you're doing influencer marketing and I post it to people in Mexico, it disproportionately does better. Not only do you have to make 100 pieces of content, you have to make 500 different segmentations in media and run it. Here's the good news. Everything I just said sounds hard as fuck and tedious as shit, right? But here's the secret. Everything great should be hard. Like, like if you want to reap the massive benefits of this golden era, you should put in the work. Facebook and Instagram ads in this market specifically and in Australia and in Southeast Asia is remarkably underpriced. Every single person here should be running Facebook and Instagram ads regardless of what your business is, B2B, 60-year-old target. You have to understand, you have to make it work for your audience. When you make a video, my highest conversion rates right now are on Facebook individuals that are 55 to 75. Why? Because they go through their feeds slower because they're old. (laughs) Being serious. It's not, you know, like, it's just true, which is great. The font's big as shit. (laughs) It's just, I mean, it's where their attention is. Your grandma's on Facebook. She's spewing her political views and throwing up photos from 1937. It's fucking amazing. I, I really, really want to leave here with two core things. One, get people in the framework of understanding what's actually happening, which is this will go away. This amazing era will go away. It did before. I built my dad's business on email and Google AdWords. I had no money. Like, I didn't raise capital. I didn't hit the lottery. I had no money. We had a business doing $3.6 million in sales, $3.8 million in sales on 10% gross profit. $380,000 before expenses. I built it from three to 60 in five and a half years. How? Perfect execution. Why? Because I had a moment in time. This is where you can't control things. My career started just as email and Google AdWords were starting to really matter. Everybody else looked at the past and put print and radio and billboards and direct mail on a pedestal, I looked at what people were actually doing, which was people were actually opening email and starting to search on Google. I played, I ate shit, made mistakes, made mistakes, hit pay dirt, and changed the course of my life. The next time I saw it, I did it even smarter. Instead of selling more wine, I decided to invest in the companies that I thought would change the world. The first three investments I made were Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Jesus is right, bro. 
made a fuckload of money. <laughs> and so what's crazy though is with all that money that I made, I love practitionership. I love this game. Instead of raising a $500 million fund and getting paid a ton of money just to take meetings, regardless if I made good decisions or not, I decided to eat shit and build a client service agency to build an ultimate marketing machine to take advantage of this. This is, not, guys, I am not a public speaker. I public speak. I public speak, but I'm not a public speaker for a living. I run a company. I always say, watch what I do, not what I say. Watch what I do, not what I say. The hell am I doing running a 900 person company focused on all the shit that I'm talking about right now? I'm not doing it for my health. You know how much it sucks to have clients? Especially when you're rich as fuck. Because you're like, why am I even doing this? I'm doing it because the opportunity is so absurd professionally. It's so absurd. So I'm desperate. I'm desperate for everybody here to understand that they're a media company, that you should be putting out content, not commercials, information. Not commercials, information. Put out all your best advice for free, you will make way more money than holding it in for the people that pay you. Let me say it nice and fucking slow for the people in the back. (laughs) Put out all your best information for free and watch how your business grows because there is so much abundance. For the 39 people that decide not to pay you because they got what they needed from the free content, there's another thousand that now want to pay you out of the gratitude and guilt that you provided for them. It's true. Now, now, that's a model that works for people that are more talented. Like, talent is a variable. And every, and by the way, you do whatever you want. I begrudge no style execution. I have no judgment for how people make their money. I'm just talking about what happens when something like the internet comes along and the real estate is super cheap. The attention of humans right now is the same way I feel about Manhattan 300 years ago. It was a good deal. That's it. And people are gonna amass it and have it and they're gonna be able to monetize on it forever and that is what the big opportunity is. And the execution within it is very, very simple. The reason I don't wanna spend as much time with it but I'm happy to do it in Q&A and start raising your hands. So like raise your hands if you have a question we'll start going around. The reason I don't wanna go deep into the execution is because you have something called Google. Like, how do I run an Instagram ad in New Zealand for a lawyer? Enter, there's a fucking result. (laughs) Right? So, it's the thesis, it's the mindset of, like, I want, the reason I started with post, so many of you are not posting. So many of you posted once, somebody said something nasty and you stopped posting. I need to get you out of that. Because if I don't, then you won't post and then the game is over. Like, how to post, your talent is your talent. If you have nothing good to say, it's only gonna play out so much. But if you're not even starting, it's game over. So you need to understand why you're not posting and you need to understand what's actually happening right now. This is the single greatest era to be a human being ever. You need to take advantage of it. If you're not winning during this era, we got big fucking problems. It's real good. It just is. Cool, who's got the first question? Go ahead, brother. Yo, what up? First in line, represent. Um, <laughs> Real quick, before you go, do we have 
Do we have, is this the only mic? Do we have multiple runners? Awesome, great, thank you. So we'll just go two, two, two. Keep going back, like, let's do it that way. Go ahead, brother. Sweet. Um, so my name's Joel, I run a company called Just Chicken. We do free range, uh, ethical cooking of uh, fried chicken at the moment. Okay. Make our own sauces, handmade, blah, 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 blah. Yes. It's, it's good shit, try it. Yes. Um, how do we get across to people that really don't give a shit about the fried chicken that they're eating? That you, this is a better product. You don't. <laughs> it, you'll, I'll explain. It's when you're on the right side of history, the market will come to you. So just, you haven't even come close, brother, to getting all the people that do give a shit. Okay. I'm, you see where I'm going? This is how I built VaynerMedia. In 2009, nobody wanted to buy in corporate America social media. 99% didn't want to buy it. I found the 1% that wanted to buy it. That became 2%, 4, 7, 9. I focused only there until the market came to me. You're not going to convince them. First of all, unfortunately, environmental issues are becoming politicized. Sure. So you're going to lose half of people just on some bullshit. So you don't. Why don't you focus on the 13 to 90%, you know, this is a unique country where you have more people that care. You know, like, just first squeeze the shit out of the orange you have instead of worrying about this lemon over here. And let them get more for us? Like, because they're, they'll, we've already got advocates. Yeah, but you don't have enough, you, until every fucking person in New Zealand is eating your fucking chicken that actually is willing to eat your chicken or wants to eat that kind of chicken, your, your, your mission's not done to only focus on them. But what most businesses do is try to convince people. I never try to convince people about anything. I focus on who I've got and yeah. let the market come to me. And that's why I've been able to build businesses so quickly because people spend too much time on defense, not on offense. Got it? Yeah. Cheers, oh, Gary. Cheers. Yep. Uh, firstly, thank you so much for being here, Gary. It's uh, of course. a real, real privilege. Thank you. Uh, as, as someone who's learned a lot from your conversations around self-awareness in Good. particular, yes. um, and been on my own journey suffocating the fuck out of my own bullshit because yes. I was full of a lot for a good part of 26 years, and I now really, really want to go into that space because... I mean, even in this room here, I think 80 to 90% of people actually don't have a fucking clue who they are like you. I get it. And I'm really interested in what you think the most important aspect of self-awareness to tackle first would be because that's really the space if, that I want to be in. I think if you can help people have the people that know them the closest and best tell them the truth, if a person, if you really feel like you're not pumped and you want to get a read on you, you should spend all your time getting the people that most interact with you, coworkers, friends, family members, you should spend six months making them know about a date that we're all gonna get together on and the only thing you want is for them to tell you the truth. Mom, just this one time, tell me the truth and then you don't have to anymore, you can always make me feel better but this one time, <laughs> this one time tell me the truth. I think th that to me is what's so, that's why I love the internet because people can hide behind their you know, avatars and their icons, so they spit more truth. Social media hasn't changed us, it exposed us. So that's what I'm looking for. I think truth starts it. That's why I love being in pure markets. Yeah. Got it? So, so build up the trust of people around you and 
but, but not trust. Give them a safe place to tell you the truth. 100%. Got it? Got it. It's not about getting them to trust. It's about you have to tell, like, I'm unhappy. Now tell me what I'm good and not good at from your perspective. Collect it from 30 people. See if there's themes. What people, what people are unbelievably good at is not realizing that people actually know. Guys, you're not tricking anyone. You're not. And the only people you're tricking are bigger losers than you. I mean it. You're not tricking anyone who's winning. It's very important because that's where we play safe. We think we have a good facade. We know that alcoholics are bad at tricking people. We don't know that emotionally insecure people are not. Got it? That's a conversation we need to start having. Thank you so you much. You got it, brother. And, you know, and what you know, and I heard, uh, I'm so humbled that you said that, is think about how that just made me feel. You watched my videos and you said you were full of shit out of excuses for 26 years. Like, I know, I don't even have to ask you, it's insane how much better you feel. Fucking tricking yourself is the worst shit of all time. I get it, man. I get it. I peed my bed until I was 13. <laughs> yep. All right. Pick someone. Hey, Gary. My name's Lawrence. I'm from May to Influence. Um, by all means, um, anyone can have a search for that on all the social platforms. Um, so as you said before, attention is one of the main key players at the moment. Um, forever. Forever. Just so you know, forever. Yeah. The newspaper, the television, smoke signals yeah. when people lived and looked up, forever. Attention is the asset. So pretty much in my personality, I'm originally from South Africa, we're really in your face most times, so I don't have an issue getting people's attention. But building influence within our business and within uh, across the platforms, most people walking these days with so heads down, so often down, listen to music. How do you break or how do you get that attention in that first 60 to 120 seconds that it means this person's going to listen to me and not walk past or this business is actually going to take me seriously uh, when it's actually direct contact, not I totally, just advertising. I totally understand. It's the right question. You do it by putting out 100 pieces of content and letting the volume figure it out for you. That's the real answer, right? The reason I've gotten good is I've been putting out content at scale since 2006 in an insane way. Like, and so I, you, know, you start learning. You, if you make 800 different pieces of content on LinkedIn because you're in a B2B environment, yep. the 800 pieces of content is gonna be more strategic than the first. Correct. It's like anything. You know how bad you were at kissing the first time you kissed someone? <laughs> Yeah. Don't even want to think about <laughs> it. <laughs> so, you know, you just get better. You get better. And so I think that you have to put out content. Um, but the reality is, you know, just like you said, everyone's down here. You know, the way, the way you even said it excites me. I'm like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Shit changes. You want to read something amazing? Like, this is just interesting. If you want to shit on technology, if you're one of those people, go read the, er- the earliest articles of the Kaleidoscope. If you read it and you didn't know you were reading about the kaleidoscope, you would literally think that they were writing about the iPhone. Kids were gonna get ruined because they weren't gonna look at the real world because they were fucking walking around like this. (laughs) It's amazing. So, 
yes, that's where it is, and you practice, right? And like, but I will tell you this, and you'll appreciate this. I'm not great at growth hacking. Like, we didn't figure out the first three seconds. We don't, you know, obviously I told you the hey, Mexico, we've got some stuff, but I've won on steak. You get people to listen to you when you're good. Yep. So put out your expertise. Well done. Thanks, Gary. You got it. All right. Mike Runners, I'm just going to need you to kind of like figure this out. Okay. Thank you. Добрый день, давно пожаловать в Новую Зеландию. Очень приятно. I speak Russian. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so my question is on a global scale, really. If you were to die tomorrow. Yes. Um, and thinking about your life, what do you wish you would have done more of and less of? I, that's a really, really, really good question. More of. Um, probably, at least at this second, I wish I would have gone to more garage sales. <laughs> Um, you know, it's really interesting, and this is just, just fucking truth, and for some reason my father-in-law sent me the, uh, the, art, the, the paragraph that Steve Jobs wrote on his deathbed, right? And it was the best. I was so pumped reading it two days ago. I feel nothing like him. I, I don't have regret. I'm not chasing money, right? I, I do what I want to do all the time. I don't feel, I'm a workaholic. My answer is not, I wish I spent more time with my family. It's just not true. I have no interest in bullshitting you. I have no interest in pandering to the current state of political correctness of how people look at things. I am this way because I'm so happy. I'm sure there's something, you know, it's less about, it's almost weirdly less about, for me, if I became terminally ill, I'd be disappointed because I feel like I have so much to give for the next 50 years. That's where my head would go. Like I'm, my selfishness comes in selflessness. That's, that's why. Very, I, that's very honorable. Yeah, it's it's just I wouldn't regret anything. I'd be like, fuck, that's bullshit. All these fucking assholes are living longer. I fucking had shit to give. <laughs> that's like that's where like where my head goes, you know. Uh, I don't I don't think I don't have like I'm so grateful for the fact that I'm doing what I'm doing and talking about what I'm talking about because I'm only fearful of regret. That's why I want, you know, sometimes people that follow me the most go work at a retirement, guys, one volunteer day at a retirement home will change your life. Youngsters, I see a bunch of you youngsters, one day. It's a nice thing to do, just nice. All your friends will be like, what the fuck, it'll be weird. But it will change your life. Because when you see regret in somebody's face, you never unsee it. And so, I'm really going at it, like the way, you know, I feel real good about it. It's really, it's a really powerful feeling, as you can imagine. I hope you understand that you provide a lot of confidence to a lot of people worldwide. That's, thank you for saying that. And, and you, I really want to. I really want to. I really go after these tough subjects. Like, it's not fun to come on stage and say, go tell your mom to go fuck herself. <laughs> That's not exciting to me. I understand how that comes off to some people. But I, I'm very passionate about self-confidence because it makes everything else roll. You, you guys, your strength is your uniqueness. I watch all of you try to make the same vanilla content on Instagram that everybody else does. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm putting up pictures of me holding Papa fucking Smurf. Like, uniqueness is your strength. Thank you for that, that was very nice. We'll get you. Go ahead. Hi. 
this on? You are? Hi. Hi, Gary. Uh, my name's Miranda, and I run a construction company with my husband. Amazing. I have two sons. Yes. And one thing that I'm super passionate about is men's mental health. Yes. Because it is a massive problem. The construction mm. industry is massively overrepresented in New Zealand for suicide. Um, and one thing that I'd really love to do is create space. Create space for these... <laughs> Emotionally stunted men, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, with the inability to Good talk. news, there's just as many emotionally stunted women. Great, absolutely. It, yes. it is. And look, and we need their help too as Everyone well. needs it. But with more and more people looking in these yes. rather than looking at each other, yes. how do we create that space? What does that look that's, like? That's got a much better chance of doing it than looking at each other because looking at each other is how we got here. <laughs> we demonize, yes, we de- you're demonizing the new and you're putting the old on a pedestal. How the fuck do you think we got here? That thing, that thing is exposing us. Do you know why Me Too's happening? Do you know why this, it's wonderful, this is the best, because you can't hide. Harvey fucking Weinstein can't hide anymore. That's how we're gonna fix this. This is the great era of taking a perceived step back for two steps forward. We're suffocating. What we have to do now is not overcorrect. So as a mom of two young boys yes. and caring about this, yes. you want to make sure, like, we need, like one thing we have to be careful of is not going too far and not letting boys be boys a little bit. And that doesn't mean harassment. No, no, no. There's yes. a big, you know, but like, but like where I go with that is not harassment. Harassment, put in jail, kill them, fine. <laughs> I'm going to the place where I see too many people go too far, which is eliminating winning and losing. Right, like eighth place trophies are destroying America. No, no, no. no, no. Like America's already lost to China. It's already happened. We just got to go through the motions now. Um, so, but good news, that thing's helping. It seems like it's not because they're in it. Somebody leaves a bad comment. They get sad. You can see everything now. But kids were like always getting picked on and doing things. Like the the key to all of this is building self-esteem. What that woman from the former Soviet Union said to me, or from that heritage, that meant a lot to me. I am absolutely, desperately ambitious to instill self-confidence. If you notice, when I put out certain pieces of content, I want, I make content for you to pass to the person that you fear. I make content with the thought that you're actually gonna pass this to your brother, or father, or sister, or mother. Because I wanna have that conversation with that person. Because nobody negative can ever beat me. Thank you, Gary. You're welcome. Next. You'll go to her next. Hi, Gary. She might punch you. Can you hear me? Hi. Hi, Hi Gary. Oh. Um, I'm the owner of a company <laughs> called Women Entrepreneur, which is an online platform for women in business and also a magazine. Now, you talk about taking advantage of every opportunity of grabbing the attention. So today, I have your attention. I would love to interview for our magazine. Please just say yes. How can I do it? When can we do it? Where can we do it? How much, t- how much time do you need? How much time do you have? Three minutes? Let's do it. Done. Awesome. Thank you. Hi, Gary. Let's go over there. Hi, Gary. Can you hear me here? Oh, oh yep. Go. We'll go with you. Hi, Gary. Ladies Hi. first, dude. Sorry about it. Um, My name's Anna and I'm a coach. Um, I first want to say thank you for um, the way that you lift women in the industry and the way that you you build women leaders. I love the way that you represent them, especially on your podcast. Thank you. So thank you. Um, 
you may have heard, especially being down under, about the, um, the tall poppy syndrome. Um, I have a coach and she's American and I had to explain to her what that meant. Um, so what is your advice for, um, for, for entrepreneurs and people in this space coming up against tall poppy syndrome and trying to shine and trying to, you know, um, shine their light in the space but not wanting to be too much <sighs> and getting pulled down in the media? Look, my biggest thing is just not playing within the vortex of anything or anybody else's opinions. I mean, do you know how much cynicism I met with? Mm -hmm. Like, my advice is be inside your own head. I always say, I don't hear you. I don't hear the compliments. People, when I, when I say I don't hear you, tune it out, people think it's the hate. It's equally the compliments. People throw real compliments at me. It's really nice. But I just think it's being even keel. Like, the truth will win. The truth will win. Like, Bill Cosby's in jail. <laughs> like, the truth will win. Like, you know, it's very easy for me to believe that. Like, like, if you're doing the right thing, if the right things are happening, like, you're just gonna navigate and it's gonna play out. It doesn't matter what the media or the comments or your mother say. I just believe that. Because it also depends what game you're playing. You also get to define the rules of your game as a person. I want to be the greatest entrepreneur of this generation. I conveniently decided that the definition of that is not only somebody who makes the most money, but makes the biggest impact on all the other entrepreneurs. <laughs> right? So, thank you, but, but it's actually a very funny thing. It's like, fuck, I don't think I can make more than Bezos, so let me change the rules. <laughs> and that's what I think the answer for you is. You have to make the rules within yourself. It doesn't matter what the outside forces are bringing to the table. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you very much. It really is that. Like, it's, what, what people struggle with is it's easy to give advice until it hits you. Right? Yeah. Like, but <laughs> I just, that's, I live that truth. I just, I really don't hear it. I know what I'm up to and I'm executing it. I'll let the chips fall where they may. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's go over there. Yep, go ahead, brother. That's you. Hello, Gary. Um, uh, what's your name? Uh, Kobe. Kobe, what's up, brother? Uh, how, hi, how are you? Sorry, I'm just really excited right here. I get I it, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you talk a lot about passion and how you're passionate about doing stuff, but I just want to ask you, like, how do you find out what you're passionate about like, in the context where when you were working for your, in your liquor store, right? Yes. So are, were you passionate about the, the, the wine, the liquor, or were you passionate about pa the business? I was passionate about the process. I was passionate about bagging ice for 15 hours a day because I knew that it, would, it was a, a stepping stone to the next thing, right? I'm so passionate about being a businessman. That's what I used to call it. Before I was an entrepreneur, it was called a businessman. I was so passionate to be a businessman that, but I was also so, you know what's funny, brother? People don't have humility or patience, right? Like, people disguise passion as, I want good shit fast. You know, like, I, I think when you're passionate about the process, you win. If you're a purebred entrepreneur, you love the process much more than the gifts that come with it, right? So I was passionate about the process. Then I fell in love with the wine. That was cool, 
but I was, but I was passionate about managing people eventually and, and strategizing and rebranding the store from Shoppers Discount Liquors to Wine Library and launching an e-com site. And I was passionate about the game. I wanted to kill every other liquor store in New Jersey, then nationally, right? You know? Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Working? Hello? Yep. Awesome. Hey Gary, I'm 22 years old. My name is Omid. I was born and raised here, originally from Afghanistan. And um, I love your content. I'm always consuming it. Like, I'm one of those who's got Daily V going on every single day. Just, I love your content. And Thank you, brother. I'm, um, I'm an aspiring producer. I want to get, actually reading Crush It, that made me want to get into blogging <laughs> and making, producing and give, give content through, you know, content writing and sure. stuff. Now, I'm super passionate about marketing. Like, I'm working on this shit every single fucking day. Like, yes. every single day, just working on it. And yes. what is it gonna take for a Kiwi living here to work at VaynerMedia? Well, you should, you should email me right now at Gary at VaynerMedia and say, I'm the Kiwi that was, the Afghanistanian Kiwi that's 22 perfect. that loves the shit, all that, put all yeah. that in, all right, perfect. and then tell me why. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, I just wanna know why. Yeah, honestly, like, I started a lot of, like, it's just a natural thing, like, I'm into YouTube, I'm getting, like, I make a lot of um, EDM mixes, like, DJing. It I comes fucking, native to I, you. I, yeah. That's the I beauty of being 22, you grew up with this shit. Yeah. It's second fucking nature. Who's over 50 here? It's not as much second nature for us fuckers. <laughs> but we can figure it out too, but for you, I totally, like, to me, you and everybody else. It is, you know, second nature. Now the question becomes, you know, so many other variables. But the funny part with me is it's all practicality. By the way, I'm, like, unfortunately, the current state of America doesn't allow me to be as aggressive. I would have said, I would have, D-Rock would have been pissed. I'm like, you're hired. <laughs> I just now know, because I don't want to look like a dick and say that and then not be able to do it, yeah. that the immigration laws have gotten so difficult, unfortunately, in my country, that I'm just worried to, like, over-promise and under-liver. So give yeah, me that email sure. and we'll start the process. Hey, awesome. Thank you, You Gary. got it, brother. Appreciate it. Yes. Hi. Hello. Hi, Gary. My name's Derry Brown. How are you? Appreciate your time. I'm good, thank you. Hey, um, in a lot of the things that I've read about and listened to, I hear people talk about product market fit. Yes. And it's something that we had early in our company before I was involved, and it's something that we've just hit again recently, and it's like having a tuner on the other end of the line. It's like, wow, okay, I understand what they're talking about, product market fit. And it's come to us through... Uh, engaging with influencers that already have the audience. And rather unconventionally, we're doing that on a uh, pay-to-perform basis, which is working really well, but we're struggling to get other influencers. Like, there's that, there's the ones that have a small following, and there's the ones that have a huge following, and the they're used to running campaigns the and huge, having agents. The huge, the huge following is right, you're, and you're wrong for the huge following. Let me explain why. You're, well, paying for, you're paying for performance, which is sales. Yeah. When, when you have two million followers, when you don't convert everything, direct attribution to the link and the call to action, but they come back and buy your shit nine months later because the brand was built through that awareness, they don't get paid, but you do. Yeah, well, what's been working, we've been able to pay people without large audiences incredible amounts of money. No shit. Because they're earning it. And we've had other people with larger audiences that if we were... You know, they haven't generated 
business. I understand. And if we were paying them up front for what they think they're worth. I totally understand. It just wouldn't work. So it's no different the, than the first question. So then. Well, the, the question is how, how would you go about recruiting more influencers that are open to that type of model? By asking. Is there any particular strategy? I mean, we're, we're out there doing that. Is there anything that you can think of? Like, are there, um, are there other ways to connect with these people other than asking that you can think of? You mean other than DMing them and asking them how much money they want for the action? Yeah, that's what we're doing. Like what, like breaking into their home? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm wondering if there's anything we hadn't thought of. Of course you can. You can start acting like a media company and start a podcast that gives tips to influencers every week for free, which brings awareness to you so that when you do ask, there's affinity with them and you can convert. Right, okay. Like I, can reach, like I reach out to influencers all the time and they're always willing to do things for me because they read Crush and started the career. You have to bring value first. Hmm. You're trying to siphon their audience and give them a short-term financial vig and people with smaller audiences want to do that because it's their first taste of money, hmm. sales. The people with three million followers don't want to do that because they can get other brands, like bigger brands, to not play for performance because bigger brands value brand in the long term but you're smaller now and you value shorter term sales. That's right. There's a standstill, there should be. Your interests aren't aligned. It's not a product fit between you and four million people follow. I would never do a pay for performance thing, you know? So I think that that's okay. I think you just need to ask everyone on earth. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hey, um, sorry to jump in here, Gary, but time's against us, however, and you're a couple minutes over, but we will go, let's have one lucky last. Okay. Okay? Okay, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, who's... That dude back there. Who's got it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shit fucking sucks. Oh, I know, so much anger. Hi, yeah, it's me from the airport. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I've been flipping shit for a while and like shoes and tickets and whatnot. Um, so I was wondering if I could come grab your beanie and please flip that. You want this? Yeah. You got it. Okay. <laughs> One more. Thank you. <laughs> okay, one more from down the front here. Let's do this guy right here. So let's go here. Yep, he was nice and calm. What was your question? Here you go, shout it out. Hey, Gary. Um, Dude, you can come Liam. up here. D-Rock, you gotta find me another beanie. Sorry. My name's Liam. We got, we got it. Uh, my name's Liam, I'm 23. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not particularly good at anything. Good. Um, <laughs> um, good news, I suck shit at 99% of things. <laughs> um, I come from a people management background. Um, I work in an ops team, um, and I really want to start something for myself. I just don't Why? Uh, I just like the idea of, of having a purpose and having an outcome. But you don't have to start that. Okay, go ahead. Um, but you don't have to start a business to do that. Like, you're, like eventually, maybe or maybe not, you might be a father. Uh, you could start got, an op. Great. I've got two kids. So, so yeah. I think. I think <laughs> and you're 23? 23, I've got an. Fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> Respect. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to keep playing with this a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, I want to make sure, look, when I hear two data points, your opening line is, I'm not particularly good at anything. And your next line is, I want to start something. All the Gary V radars are like, uh-uh, let's talk this out. Right. Because it takes blind, utter confidence to start something. Right? And it takes even more of it to actually have it succeed. So 
but keep going. Let me keep listening. Um, and I, I listen to your content, and I get these small bursts of motivation, and then I and then you lose I research. Yep. I feel motivated. I'm fucking in there, and I get to a point of <laughs> conflict in myself where I evaluate my situation. You know? Right. You don't want to take the risk because you have mouths to feed. Yeah. And fuck, I'm 23, and it's yeah. like, you know, I don't know what I don't know. I understand. And I'm not in the position where I can take a massive financial risk to do something. I get it. Um, so, and then I get frustrated with it because I'm kind Well, of look, the first thing that excites me <laughs> is you listen to my stuff, but clearly the one that hasn't won you over is patience. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you're 23. Yeah. Like, even though you have two fucking kids, <laughs> you're still young as fuck. Yeah. Like, so why don't you eat shit and save for nine years and start a business at 32 when you'll still be a fucking kid? Yeah. 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 You know, what, what, is, what has happened to your generation because of the optics of entrepreneurship and all its, you know, I like the idea of, your words not mine, is what me and that gentleman who's over 50, we grew up in a different world where you had no audacity to have a business at 23. We had to eat shit for 20 years, maybe then. A lot of parents now, one of the things I'm very scared of is, is fake environments, right? So I'm gonna take yours in exchange. So. <laughs> brother, brother, D-Rock D is gonna send you that clip so when you put it on a site to flip, you'll have the proof that it happened. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that I'm very scared about is fake environments. Right now, a lot of parents are subsidizing their kids' businesses because they want their kids to look good for the other parents, right? And so, big time, it's huge. I'm really gonna go into this one over the next couple years. Parents are doing such a disservice to their kids because they're, they're, they're fake environments, right? And so again, him and I, we grew up in generations where if your parents helped you, you paid them back. Now in the new generation, people think they should have a business at 23. They don't think they should pay, pay, their, pay their parents back. They raise a lot of capital, fail, and then just tell the VCs or the investors, sorry, it was a good try, we learned a bunch. We're living in, yeah, by the way, there's, let me tell you my favorite email that gets me on tilt. I write a $50,000 check because, and I've earned every penny into my life, and it fucking hurts, and they send me an email and say, we went out of business, but thanks, Gary, we learned a lot. I'm like, motherfucker, you owe me $50,000, dick. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think you're putting way, and I mean way too much pressure on yourself. Clearly in the micro, but I don't think you see the macro version. Right. You're not in a position to have a business or take that risk now? Great. Set, start saving, and then put yourself in a position to do it. Cheers. Thanks, Gary. Cheers. That's brilliant. And, and focus. You've got time. And focus on what you got, mate. A lot. I'm 42 years old. I think we're friends. I feel like we're the same. Yeah, I think we're parenting him you a bit as well here. So focus on what you have got as well, because two kids is a pretty special thing. Guys, yeah, we've but got fuck a that. <laughs> I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. Like I said earlier to her, like if you're not happy, those kids have no fucking shot. Everybody here who thinks like, like I love when people, parents check the box. I'm glad that you're home at five and you spend time with your kids, but you're fucking miserable and they can taste it. You can't do shit for anybody unless you're good. Get yourself good, then you can focus on other shit. Awesome.
Gary, thank you very much, my man. I know you've got to get uh, talking of kids. Get yourself back home. We have garage selling to do. Yeah, yeah. Hey, can I, can I just very quickly see if we can bring out the house lights to get a, I want to get a, um, a selfie with Gary with everyone in the background, um, which, we, which I'm obviously going to be doing just to promote my own uh, social Smart. media. Um, <laughs> can we get house lights up? I want to be able to see everyone in the background. How quickly can this happen? Oh, I thought Five, he said four. housewives. I was like, shit, they have that. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, they have that shit down here too? Oh, uh, stop house the house lights. lights. We don't need them. It's really just about me and Gary. No. <laughs> Hey, thanks, awesome. guys. Hey, that was absolutely brilliant. New Gary. Zealand, I fucking love you. <laughs> Go get yours. I love you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.